is a Quizable Cast episode 36C, Chicago Open 2008 Movies Tournament, round three. Its employment allowed a short man who plays drums to gain a tall, fat wife, attesting to the warning that one had better use it carefully or it could change your life. When used while Dukes and Maharajas pass the time of C3. Super califragilistic notice. Congratulations, you get two points. What was the giveaway? What do you think the giveaway was, which dude? One, no, which when spoken backward by her is Docialis Expertus. Oh, <laughs> At the center of its plot is a poem thought to be beautiful by the protagonist that was not actually written by Tommy. After a woman is crucified by kitchen utensils, the house burns down, and though Sue Snell goes into visiting the burnt down ground with flowers for the for sale sign at the center, the dead character's arm drags her down as she awakes from a nightmare. Billy Nolan gets some favors from Chris Harrington for getting pig blood, and the protagonist likens one experience to being on Mars. After being voted homecoming queen, Miss White is drenched by blood and C3. It's Carrie? Yep. It's Carrie? Notable person covered by pig blood is prom. Oh, who is the fire just Wait, what movie? Carrie. Carrie. Oh, C-A-R-R-I-E. <laughs> I was like, what? One character from this film tells Lucas that he eats rocks. I crush them and they tell me things, and he goes on to explain the uranium lead test. Dr. Thompson tells the female protagonist that it's logical for her to be scientific about love, and reassures her that she has already repaid Williams for training her. Whereupon he is quickly mobbed and spends the rest of the movie with bandage wrapped around his head, so that he can't even talk when he is molested by a hand cloth coming in from the window. A unique case is brought to the Morajo Bay Institute by Dr. Maya, who explains the local legend of the crazy ghoul. The particular locale is likened to another world as David Reed and the crew of the Rita tries to use a rope to known to fish up a human-like thing that abducted Kay Lawrence. Pred points. Name this film about a being that C3. The uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Congrats. The monster, not the girl. One character in this film asks for his pistol because he can't die without it, but doesn't have enough strength to pull the trigger when he gets it, and the man who killed him tells another man to go home because a long life eating porridge is best. Before being duped into carrying a barrel containing the protagonist to a cemetery, Inokichi is tricked into calling for help before entering a house that held Nui captive so that the protagonist could enter to kill the guards and make a mess on purpose to implicate Tazaimon. Unosuke starts a fire to help his brother Ushitora smoke out his ex-boss Sebe, but he forgets about a man rescued by old Gonji, who had been given his name as Kuabatake, meaning Mulberry Field. Ten points, C3. Mulberry Field? This is Seven Samurai. Nag. Nope. About this film that, uh, that inspired Sergio Leone's A Fistful of Dollars, a Kurosawa work by a rogue samurai. C4. So, fuck. The Jimbo one, as I called. So I can't remember this Answer. one. Answer? No, I don't know. B3. Is that me? Yojimbo? Yeah. Yeah, it's a smaller, but that's right. That's from that work, not. The protagonist of this film feels like molten lead poured over an open wound when he hears the news of a man who earlier claimed that they had belonged to the same race that holds on, and takes as his motto, face up to it. The protagonist tells one character that she will find his secret and lose it in turn, and others will pass it on after her, before riding with the foreign legionnaire Olivier to the train station. At the end, Dufretti writes a letter to Torsi explaining that his friend died with the last words, what does it matter, all is grace. Rescued from the cold by the earlier prankster Serafita, the protagonist is blamed for the death of the Countess after she is persuaded to throw away her only memento of her dead son. 
nursing a diet of only wine-soaked bread, the protagonist is labeled by Chantal to the village as a drunkard, and his written confessions are ignored. For 10 points, name this film about a priest of Ambracourt, the best-known work by Robert Bresson, based on a novel by George Bernanos. Time, that's Diary of a Country Priest. One character in this film sings of Betsy, an icon, two oxen named for Shanghai, and calls the protagonist beginners. The director was immobilized by a bad back for much of the shooting and criticized the female star for trying to handle the camera during the second hit on the flyer. Challenged by Harvey Logan, one character tells another to kill him when he loses the duel. E.H. Haraman of the Union Pacific hires Joe LaForce, Lord Baltimore, and the rest of the super posse to hunt down the hole in the wall gang, who's leader C3. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Pseudo. A film about the wife of a deportation camp worker, Lena, and her friendship with the wife of a would be actor, Madeline. A film in which two fishermen pick up an escaped convict who marks them out for death. A film telling of a village outcast who could scale an unscalable peak. This toss up, really? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> films with reduced plots like Jeanne Dielman and Meetings with Anna. Early moral message films like Where Are My Children and The Blot. The aforementioned entree new, in addition to Catherine Soda and Senavi. The aforementioned The Hitchhiker, in addition to The Bigamist and Not Wanted. The aforementioned The Blue Light, in addition to The White Hell of Pits Plow and Pipeline. A stream of, of, stream of con a stream of consciousness film about the wife of a consul, Anne-Marie Strader, India Song, as well as Natalie Granger and Destroy, she said, in addition to the works by aforementioned Chantal Ackerman and Lord Weber. A film documenting a speech encouraging people to hold up the banner that we lifted out of nothingness given in Nuremberg, Triumph of the Will, as well as Olympia. C1. Are you just looking for, like, reconstall? Dang. Films by? Films made by Dorothy Artisner, Nell Shipman, oh, Alice Agnes ah! Varda, and the aforementioned works by Diane Curtis, Ida Lupino, Margaret Dura, and Lenny Reichenstahl. What's going on here? Ten points! These films, B2. Propaganda for the Nazis. And now, I'll share what characteristic was works directed by Nora Ephraim, Julie Tamer, and Penny Marshall. C2. They were all directed by a woman? Yeah! 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 Oh my god! <laughs> like, the next year we're probably going to do like, a social history talk about men, but like, I don't think you can do that anymore. <laughs> I think I'm going to demand to be paid $5 for this tournament. Toss up! He adapted Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book into <laughs> Elephant Boy and called New York the $24 island in one of his works. He visited the English potter and the glassmakers of England before turning to a film in which islanders grow crops mixed with seaweed and men of Iran. In one of his films, an oil company invades the home of the Cajun Alexander Latour, and another of his films told the story of the South Seas. He told the story of Little Ali and Nyla on Belcher Island, and hopeful sound in a work spurred on by William Mackenzie, and also directed the aforementioned Louisiana Story and Moana. Collaborated with F.W. Murnau on Taboo for 10 points, named as documentary filmmaker of Nanook of the North. Oh, crap. C4. Guy's name, uh, Fuck Johnson. Yes, Johnson. No. What is this guy's name? God, I can't. Shit. Robert Flaherty. Flaherty. Okay. By the way, the female director of the one was a Ray Lewis special. <laughs> he played.
quite the laziest man in the world in an appearance on Cavalcade of America. One of his late projects was canceled when Merle Oberon got into a traffic accident, causing Joseph von Sternberg to abandon an adaptation of Robert Graves' The I, Claudius. He duped it out with Don Murray in the role of Senator Seabrett Cooley in one film and investigated the role of Christine Cook in her husband's murder um, of Mrs. French in another. He was a corrupt justice of the peace in Hitchcock's Jamaican Inn, in addition to the aforementioned advice and consent, and a witness for the prosecution. Playing Inspector Javert in the 1935 version of Les Mis, 10 points, named this actor who directed Night of the Hunter, won an Oscar for playing Henry VIII, and portrayed Captain Bly. C3. Uh, Captain Bly is played, uh, O'Toole. What? O'Toole. No. C2. Brano? No. C4. I'm certain this is not Flynn. Nope. C1. Fairbanks. Charles Washington. I was even thinking there, yeah. The beginning of this movie pays homage to the fan scene of Apocalypse Now. One scene contains a reference to Maya Angelou's I Know Why a Caged Bird Sings as the waitress gets it on with a man who took over, took her son to the hospital. That C3. Monster's Ball? Yep. Nice. There's your modern film. Yeah. Is that a power? That was not. No. I'm curious to see how long did the power last for the uh, for the women toss up. That ended with the aforementioned the hitchhiker. Okay. It's like eight or nine lines. Yeah. Oh. Uh, six. Okay. Six. No, five. Five and a half. Okay. Pretty tough to power the monster ball question. Although this man's autobiography, Silk and Cyanide, makes no mention of his movie career, he had many connections with cinema. His father was an owner of the famous bookshop at 84 Charing Cross Road, subject of the eponymous book, play, and movie. A poem he wrote was featured in Carve Her Name with Pride, a 1958 film about real life British by Violette Zabo, with whom he had worked closely during World War II. He provided the voice of the devil in Martin Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ, and he is better known, best known for collaborating with one of Scorsese's idols on the 1960 Carl Bone starring film that was the subject of the documentary A Very British Psycho. Ten points, name is a one-time cryptographer who scripted Michael Powell's suspense thriller Peeping Tom. That's the only thing. Leo Marks. One member of this family earned a BAFTA nomination for starring in John Frankenheimer's first film, The Young Stranger, before spending 11 years on a successful TV series. His father was one half of the Oscar-winning duo that wrote the 1939 film Wuthering Heights, as well as the play 20th Century, and another play that spawned film versions directed by Lewis Milestone, Howard Hawks, and Billy Wilder. That father's brother, an insurance executive, and directly supported filmmakers like Charles Burnett and Errol Morris through an organization established with wife Catherine T. for 10 points, give the family name shared by the actor who played Dano on Hawaii Five-O, Ben Peck's collabor collaborator on the front page, and the namesake of the foundation that gives genius grants. B2. This man portrayed a baseball playing android on an episode of MathNet. He sold Roger Corman the screenplays for Piranha and Alligator in order to finance his directorial debut, a film usually described as the inspiration for The Big Chill. In addition to directing three Bruce Springsteen videos and earning an Oscar nomination for a movie about a paralyzed soap opera star, he has made films about the Gaelic myth of Selkies, a fugitive alien in Harlem, a bored housewife who falls in love with another woman, a historic massacre of coal miners, and the Black Sack Scandal. Ten points. Named as independent filmmaker of The Return of the Sea, the the Return of the Secaucus, 7, Matawan, 8 Men Out, and Lone Star. This guy's worth a 
John Sales. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lone Star. Yeah. This man originated the role of Sergeant Trotter in the world's longest-running play, Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. His performance in Subtle Ray as the chess player foreshadowed the subject matter of his most famous film. Debuting as a cowardly sailor in 1942's In Which We Serve, he won back-to-back -back Golden Globes in the 1960s for The Sand Pebbles and Dr. Doolittle. After starring with a baby-faced gangster in Brighton Rock, a weak-willed kidnapper in a seance on a wet afternoon and a POW in The Great Escape, he transitioned behind the camera with 1969's Oh, What a Lovely War. Bio biopics of Winston Churchill, C.S. Lewis, Steve Biko, and Charlie Chaplin have all been directed by for 10 points, what star of Miracle on 34th Street and Jurassic Park, who won a 1982 Oscar from Gandhi. C2. Amber? Yep. Right. What was it? He, he plays John Hammond, right? Sir, yeah, yeah. Oh, Richard Attenborough. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Famous. Who's apparently coming back for Jurassic Park 4. Yeah, that's awesome. The founder of Yankee Racers, this individual is clearly a fan of the film Sir Pico. In a dual reference to Cassavetes and Charlie Brown, his father was a barber played by Samuel Castle. When asked, when meeting his nemesis's wife, he offers her a sandwich. This parallels an earlier scene with the woman inquires of another character, do you want a carrot? After getting drunk, he obnoxiously asks, oh, are they? He daydreams of solving math problems, but is oblivious to the fact that Rosemary Cross isn't interested in him, and Margaret Yang is. For 10 points, in the serenity of Herman Bloom, the protagonist played by Jason Schwartzman in Wes Anderson's Rushmore. C3. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen that movie. I don't know what his name is. I've seen it. Yeah, what is his name? Todd Max Fisher. Max. This man's first acting role was as, was as an admiral in Seven Days in May, and his last was in The Naked Gun as a driving instructor that teaches a student how to give the finger. Until 1986, <laughs> he could be heard proclaiming that Smith Barney makes money the old-fashioned way, they earn it. Oscar nominated for producing the bizarre film version of Julius Caesar starring Marlon Brando as Antony, he was depicted by Carrie Yules Elwes in Cradle with Will Rock, which illustrated his efforts as co-founder of the Mercury Theater. He turned to acting full-time in the 70s, promptly winning an Academy Award for his first substantial role. For 10 points, named his creative associate of Orson Welles, best known for portraying Harvard Law Professor Charles Kingsfield in the movie and TV series The Paper Chase. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. It's a very good point you bring up. John Houseman. I can see him, too. This 1991 comedy spawned a misbegotten 1999 sequel that destroyed its director's career. Christopher <laughs> Hickson plays a guy in a penguin suit who randomly wanders in and out of scenes. Right before the closing credits, Charlie, who had been totally silent throughout the movie, speaks up to reveal that the capital of Venezuela is secret. I mean, I don't know. There's a penguin in, like, Billy Madison. But that doesn't have a sequel, so that was dumb. Venezuela uh, was misspelled. The characters who played the lead in a sidekick in the director's previous film, That Sinking Feeling, switched places here. The title could refer to Susan, played by future pop star Claire Grogan, or to Dorothy, who, who places the main character as forward on his school soccer team, or it might even be the main character's little sister. Ten points, named a Scottish coming-of-age comedy directed by Bill Forsyth. <laughs> Scottish? Seaport. This is obviously the Forsyth saga. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good, yes. Uh, C1. The replacement. B2. Really over the uh, it's I have no idea. Gregory's girl. Yeah. Oh. No. Yeah. This, this, is, yeah, this is what was the last 20 years distribution. <laughs> just, just went away. <laughs> A famous 1989 essay by this man called for historical poetics of cinema. 
he and Noel Carroll were attacked by Slavoj Zizek for the rejection of Rand theories and called for middle-level research in 1996 post-theory reconstructing, the, reconstructing film studies. Author of auteur studies of Eisenstein, Ozu, and Dreyer, as well as the books Planet Hong Kong and Narration in the Fiction Film, he has recently become the spokesperson for cognitive film theory, which uses cognitive psychology to explain the effects of film. Depend point is Jacques Ledoux, professor of film studies emeritus at UW-Madison, who co-authored the massively popular textbooks Film History and Introduction and Film Art and Introduction with his wife, Kristen Thompson. Massively popular. B3. Thompson. B2. <laughs> Kobox? No. David Bordwell. Uh, in this film, my dinner with Andre's Andre Gregory appears opposite Jesse the Body Ventura. A sidekick notes that the villain has matched his meat and tells the hero, you really licked his ass. Lenina learned how to kick men in the groin by watching Jackie Chan movies, but fluid transfer repulses her and a muttered oath earns a half-credit fine for a sort of voce violation of the verbal morality statute. Nigel Hawthorne plays Raymond Cocteau, who loses, who loses a band of cryocons upon a few... Excuse okay, me. this is Demolition Man. Yep. Right. Wesley Snipes. So all restaurants at Taco Bell? Yes. In this movie, the protagonist has no reaction to seeing the bicycle thief, whereas in the source novel, he is disturbed by the lack of a happy ending. One key repeated phrase is, keep it to yourself, while another movie becomes the last line of the movie is, traffic was a bitch. After using a project called Habeas Corpus to sabotage his rival, the, man the main character abandons Bonnie and lives happily ever after with the Icelandic girlfriend of the man he killed. Buck Henry can be heard pitching a sequel to The Graduate, and Al Rudolph describes a psychic political thriller comedy with a heart to Griffin Mill during a nearly eight-minute-long tracking shot that opens, for ten points, what cameo-filled 1992 Robert Altman Hollywood satire starring Tim Robbins. C4. Tinsel Town. <laughs> That's the player. I suppose it's uh, what, three of Altman so far. Yeah. What toss over round it? Uh this is the twentieth. Oh, wow. Or I guess the nineteenth. No, so no one's no one's up by twenty one? No one's up by see he only needed a number after the half, so I don't know why he numbered it forty. This man sarcastically poo-pooed the, the notion that he had written the script for Goodwill Hunting in his book, Which Lie Did I Tell, which was the sequel to a work in which he famously proclaimed that nobody knows anything, Adventures of the Screen Train. Is it safe is a refrain in his novel about a graduate student tortured by a Nazi dentist, Marathon Man, which he adapted to film in 1976, the same year he won his second Oscar. Famous lines from his screenplays include, I can't swim and follow the, follow the money, but he is best known for a novel that states, life isn't fair, it's just fairer than death, that's all. Ten points, name is Oscar winner for All the President's Men and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the author of the book and screenplay The Princess Bride. He won. Golden. Secret. Goldman? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> Sorry. I did not know he didn't marry. This film's writer and director reunited three years later for a movie about a man who thinks he's Sherlock Holmes, they might be giants. The actor who delivers the memorable complaint, my god, if I went up in flames without a living soul who peed on me to put the fire out, did not act on screen again for 13 years when he reemerged to play King Arthur in Excalibur. Featuring a famous retort about cork in the treetops and a gay couple played by Kelsey Dalton <coughs> and Anthony Hopkins both making their film debuts, this is for 10 points, what movie in which the lead actor reprises a role from Beckett, family drama set on Christmas Eve 1183, that won a 1968 Oscar for Cat... 
Oh, this is a uh, Lion in Winter. Yep. Wait, Anthony the, Hopkins. That's his first movie. He plays Richard. Back. When did this happen? Uh, set on Christmas Eve, eleven eighty-three. That's right. Really? Because yeah. isn't that shouldn't that be eleven ninety-three? I'm certain it should. <laughs> oh well, I was right. there, so that, that confused me. Because I mean, like it's after he got. That's when they're negotiating the hostage stuff, right? That's what the plot. Whatever. Okay. Nine months before Charlie Chaplin released The Great Dictator, this man was the first to bravely defy isolationists by giving a performance lampooning Adolf Hitler. In 1940s, Hold That Lion marked the only time he ever shared the screen with both of his famous brothers, while 1970s Kook's tour was his last appearance as the character he had initiated in 1934's Woman Haters. He made his screen debut as a fireman in 1930's Soup to Nuts alongside friend Ted Healy. Other notable roles include a doctor in Men in Black, a garage man in Hoi Polloi, a football player in Three Little Pigskins, and another fireman in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And points named this man who gave us hours of enjoyment with the help of his brothers Shemp and Curly, as well as C3. Uh, Mo? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I didn't need anything else. I don't know anything else. The opening narration of this film asks, if you can't trust your friends, well, what then? At the end, one character sits crying in the car with a suitcase full of paper while Andy Williams happy C1. Oh, it's not Ocean's Eleven, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, full of paper while Andy Williams happy heart mocks her on the soundtrack. Leonard Malkin noted stylistic ties to Blood Simple, another movie depicting how hard it is to get rid of a body. Screenwriter John Hodge, who plays the assistant to, assistant to a laconic police inspector investigating the protagonist's reteam with the director and one of the stars from 1996, Train Spotting. The death of a flatmate leads three obnoxious yuppies to an unexpected windfall and thence to betrayal. C2. Um, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels? Mm -hmm. Um, then so betrayal and murder and pretend points went 1994 Scottish Thrill starring Terry Fox. B3. Stash. Mag. Uh, Chris Rackelson and Ewan McGregor, the first feature film of Danny Boyle. Two zeros Scottish this round. On that note, Snatch is an awesome movie. Yeah. Uh, that's Shallow Grave. This man was Godfather to Peter Collinson, who directed the last film he appeared in, and Daniel Massey, who got an Oscar nomination for playing him in 1968's Star. His numerous acting credits include Paris, when it sizzles, Bunny Lake is missing, and Boom, and one famous role sees him shake hands with several men, as their names are called. An early Best Picture Oscar winner, Cavalcade, was based on his work. He hired novice director David Lean for the World War II propaganda film, he won an honorary Oscar for producing, writing, co-directing, scoring, and starring in, in which we serve, and Lean's 1945 classic, Brief Encounter, was adapted from his play, Still Life. Ten points. Named as songwriter, novelist, memoirist, author, filmmaker, actor, spy, and dramatist of works like Private Lives. C1. No coward. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's right. Well, that's just notably by no coward. <laughs> oh, well, I've heard it pronounced Cardinal by some very pretentious I mean, and probably wrong. Assholes. By some British person. Or possibly people who know how to pronounce it better than <laughs> we do. I'm inclined to this. Yes, let's just list some now. Alright. In one scene in this film, a doctor laconically describes the patient as a dead paper hanger. A reverend who shouts, You're all going to die! is memorably played by Jack Hawkins. Like the producer star, many cast members, including narrator Richard Burton, were Welsh, and one high point is when famed Welsh tenor Ivor Emmanuel sings the hymn Men of Harlech. 
director Cy Enfield, an American inadvertently cast an actor with a Cockney accent as an aristocratic military officer. Due to apartheid, many cast members, including Chief Mangosutu Butelezi, were not allowed to attend the premiere. Based on the events of January 22, 1879, Battle of Warps Rift, this is, for 10 points, what classic 1964 British war film starring Stanley Baker and Michael Caine? C3. The Last Zulu. No. C1. Central Island of Bear. C4. Zulu War? No. B1. Zulu. Yes. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Have you actually heard of it? This man was born in Tahiti, son of the co-author of Morning on the Bounty. First Oscar nominated for 1965 Morituri, he formed Canyon Films with two USC classmates and became a cinematographer when he drew that job out of a hat. He is remembered today for innovations like filming night scenes in The Professionals at night and employing sepia tones and a freeze frame ending in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Most famously, he shot a much-imitated scene in which Robert Blake delivers a monologue while the reflection of rain outside a window looks like tears streaming down his face. Ten points, named this man who won two of his three Oscars for Sam Mendes films, Road to Perdition and American Beauty, and also memorably lends 1967's In Cold Blood. It's Conrad L. Hall. Really pyramidal question. So, cinematographer. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, huh? Presumably, he's famous. Last name's the name. Penelope's autobiographical novel about a woman forced to have an abortion was adapted into a 1964 film that earned Anne Bancroft an Oscar nomination. Her ex-husband John, a barrister known for winning the sex for winning the Sex Pistols, the right to use the word bollocks, is most famous for creating a fictional character who works at Three Equity Court and calls his wife she who must be obeyed. John's daughter played characters do dumped by Alec Baldwin on 30 Rock and Hugh Grant. I mean, C3. okay, there is a John's daughter whose last name is Barrymore. Nah. Damn. Um, 30 Rock and Hugh Grant in Notting Hill and starred opposite a dreadlock Samuel L. Jackson in The 51st State. For 10 points, give the shared family name of the author of The Pumpkin Eater, the creator of The Rumpole of the Bailey, and Emily, the co-star of 2006 The Pink Panther and 2005's Match Point. C4. Oh, it was an Emily Deschanel. No. Uh, Emily Deschanel. Uh, Doggy? Uh, no. That's, I saw a match really. That is Mortimer. Yeah. Emily Mortimer. She's his, his wife. Yeah. According to a book by Julie Salomon, second unit director Eric Schwab was deprived of credit for a shot in this film, and Uma Thurman's audition gave every man in the room an erection. Burton Kovitsky was then was almost cast as a character model on himself, but instead the role was given to first Alan Arkin and then Morgan Freeman. Kirsten Dunst appears as the protagonist's daughter and Kim Cattrall earned a Razzie nomination as his wife, while F. Murray Abraham went uncredited as DA and Bruce Willis was inexpl inexplicably cast as a journalist, supposedly based on Christopher Hitchens. The Devil's Candy details the many compromises that led to the embarrassing failure of, for 10 points, what 1990 Brian De Palma film starring Tom Hanks as Master of the Universe, Sherman McCoy. What the fuck? Tom C4. Big two, Master of the Universe. No. <laughs> Freaking. Time, that's the bonfire of the vanities. Oh, Sherman yeah. Sherman the boy. Fuck. <laughs> 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 
2005 stage production based on this 1973 film starring Jim Broadbent and Rachel Sterling, the latter in a role originated by her mother. It begins with George Maxwell's wife telling him to be careful on March 15th. Shortly thereafter, he is stabbed to death. Then Oliver Larding is drowned in a butt of wine. Solomon Saltry is stripped into jealously murdering his wife, and Meredith Meridu is forced to eat his beloved poodles. All of these people are drama critics who made the mistake of painting the great Edward Lionheart. Now, with the help of several Mets drinkers and his daughter Edwina, played by Diana Rigg, he gets Elizabethan-style revenge on them. In for 10 points, what horror comedy that sees several passages from Shakespeare performed by Vincent Price. See one. Willie and I. Theater of Blood. Of course. A fantasy version of George V appears in this film to declare May 20th a holiday, and Baroness Rothschild plays a queen in the central sheep in sequence. When one character is asked why she is going to the river, she replies to make a hole in it. Another character is, is envisioned marrying a social climbing heiress from New York and never gets to complete a rhyme with the word farce. The main female character frequently protests, I'm a good girl, I am, but it is her father who is obsessed with... Hey, B1. My fair lady. Yeah. She yeah. certainly does say that all the time. Yeah. According to a first season episode of American Dad, this is this is Roger the Alien's favorite movie. He opens with a lecture about friendship, character, and ethics, and during the opening credits, a fedora is blown around by the wind. Like Yojimbo, it borrows from Dashiell Hammett's Red Harvest, the plot of a lone wolf playing two violent gangs against each other. In this case, Leo O'Bannon is on one side and Johnny Caspar and the Dane are on the other. In one famous scene, the song Danny Boy accompanies a shootout. C2. Gangs in New York? No. Okay. Uh, While in another, the main character is asked to look into his heart. Featuring Sam Raimi, Steve Buscemi, and Francis McDormand in cameos and starring Mark. Oh, crap. C1. Yeah, it's not Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Starring Marcia Gay Harden, Albert Finney, and Gabriel Byrne. This is for 10 points. What 1990 Coen Brothers gangster film? C3. Oh, shit, is this a thing that just came up today? Miller's Crossing? Yeah. <laughs> it just came up, like, today? Oh, yeah, dude. Like, I buzzed before it even came to so whatever. And congratulations. No. Never mind. Never mind. Do I need one more? No one's making congratulations. This man's daughter, Sarah, a famous cricketer, novelized his screenplay for the film Brimstone and Treacle, which, due to BBC censorship, was released five years before the broadcast of the television play it, the television play it was based on. His final projects, Karaoke and Cold Lazarus, share many characters, author of the screenplays Gorky Park and Dreamchild, he adapted both of his most famous works into Hollywood film. One in a 1981 musical featuring Christopher Walken as a dancing gangster, and the other in a 2004 autobiographical mystery story starring Robert Downey Jr. Ten points. Name this British dramatist who had protagonists such as the salesman Arthur Parker and novelist Philip E. Marlowe lip sync to popular music in Pennies from Heaven and The Singing Detective. Shit. Man, that should have been a tournament on female cricket players instead of <laughs> It's time. Dennis Potter. The English language version of this film is narrated by Alexander Stewart via a series of letters from the fictional cameraman Sandra Krasna, and opened with a quote from T.S. Eliot's Ash Wednesday. The first image shows three children in Iceland in 1965. Other topics include Emus in the Isle de France, a revolution in Guinea-Bissau, Say Shonagon's Pillow Book, and a singing JFK mannequin in a Tokyo department store. Andrei Tarkovsky's Stalker is the source of the name given to Hayat. 
Hayao Yamaneko's imagery, The Zone, while San Francisco-based scenes play, pay homage to Hitchcock's Vertigo, also referenced in the Doctor's earlier La Jetée, and the title itself derives from a modest Mussorgsky song cycle. For 10 points, name this 1983 cine essay by French film filmmaker Chris Marker. C4. Pictures at an exhibition. I was C4. I was going to say pictures at an exhibition. No. Okay. okay. C2. I am on the wall of No. Uh-oh. Oh, did it say something about Mussorgsky or something? Yes. Uh, Boris Goodenough. No. It's a long cycle. C1. In the section Okay. Alright. Sober. And at this point, Chris Ray, you may step out. Good, because I have to leave for my flight now anyway. <laughs> See you later, guys. Uh, in that case. So then we actually care about second place. Um, hang on. So you're going to go to room 102 and you need to get if you already paid. Uh, I'll give mine. Okay. Just give him five bucks. And that should be Eric, so. Alright. So Chris is out yeah. and that leaves. Okay. This man stated that the turn to photography is the gopher broke game of history. His much cited essay, The Hotel Lobby, appears in his book critiquing the detective novel as the triumph of empty capitals, rationalism, or ratio in modern life. He described white collar workers in 1930s, the salary masses, and wrote about the machine like performances of the Tiller Girls in 1927's The Mass Ornament. A famous 1960 work of film theory by him celebrates the indexical nature of cinema and coined the phrase the redemption of physical reality. And coined famous thinker who may be the best known for linking German expressionism to the rise of Weimar era Nazism in 1947's From Caligari to Hitler. What? Caligari to Hitler. It's come on. Yeah. Because they always say it's always a top television comedian for Hitler. So from Caligari to this. What is this book? Time. Siegfried Krakauer. Okay, in one of his works, a character is going on TV to say that we're all sheep and later falls while tap dancing, but nevertheless gets applauded. In another of his works, Aldina is crowned Miss Flower of 1989, while Ivo Salvini discovers a group of Michael Jackson fans dancing to Triller in a warehouse. In addition to Ginger and Fred and The Voice of the Moon, he also directed a film in which the philosophical Steiner unexpectedly kills his children. His autobiographical film Roma was followed by the Academy Award-winning Amarcord, and he followed the attempt of Guido Anselmi in making a sci-fi masterpiece in another, in another work. Ben Poison and his director who gave Anita Ekberg a dip in the Trevi Fountain in La Dolce Vita and employed Marcello Mastroianni. C2. Antoniani? In eight and a half. Everything that happens to me is my life. I'm sorry, forgive me, were the final words of the protagonist in this film which she tells us, in which she tells the story of a girl who suddenly began hearing voices from nowhere after a ship departs. She imagines that her son Valerio was paralyzed and becomes detached from her husband Ugo. There's something terrible about reality. Juliana explains to her lover Corrado, who reassures her that we all suffer from it. The madness of blue gives way to a color of passion and finally to the industrial desolation of green and yellow. Up, B3. Uh, after the auto incident, Juliana became, became neurotic and tried to kill herself, imagining everybody's voice for 10 points. Then this first color film by Michelangelo Antonioni, starring Richard Harris and Monica Vitti, the lonely inhabitants of the title locale and the title color. B2. Red Rome. Uh, C1. The Blue Island. No, C2. Red Desert? Yes. Oh, okay. yeah. How much more do we have? Three questions. Three questions. 
At one point during this film, a lifesaver with the inscription La Talante is tossed to the heroine, but she can't hear the engagement offered through the falling water. During the climactic scene, the hostess notes that this is a contest and tells the couple to go to the movies to see love. At an apartment on 1 Jules Verne Street in Passy, a man whose name is concealed calls the woman a pig fucker and sees the ass of death in the womb of fear while abusing Jean, who likes it. But at the end, her fiancé Tom, a pretentious filmmaker, dislikes the apartment, and she at last shoots the frustrated stalking American Paul, who conceals his dead wife, Rosa, in his hotel to take your city's headquarters. Name this film starring Maria Schneider and Marlon Brando about a final tryst at a dance hall directed by Bernard. Seek two. Last Tango in Paris? Indeed. Oh, yeah. One of his films contains a scene in which the female protagonist Mary is made out to be a Christian slave because of the line of poetry that inspired it suggests if I were a king of Babylon and begins with a shot of the Grand Canyon followed by a quote from the Bible that God created man in his own image. The first version of another of his films was made with Oscar Apfel and contains the suicide scene of Naku Rich followed by the return of Wingate to England with Diana. Another of his films employs Setsu Hayakawa as a Japanese collector who uses his branding iron to mark the body of Elizabeth Hardy after she tries to clear her sexual debt by giving him money instead. The director of Don't Change Your Husband and Why Change Your Wife, he glorified the rich bathroom in a hodgepodge about Mary and her butler, butler Crichton in the aforementioned male and female, as well as the squaw man and the cheat. Hedy Lamar plays the titular role in the most famous version of his Samson and Delilah, while Charlton Heston plays Moses in the 1956 version of his The Ten Commandments. Ten points is the director of biblical epics like Oh, yeah. C1. Sesame Devil. Yeah. The last. At one point in this work, Hermann Schwibb shows schoolmates with American flag tattoo and waves his stars and stripes forever tattoo at an Irishman. Meanwhile, a character named White claims he has no mascot for luck and eats Hershey's milk chocolate before his showdown. After Kellerman's message arrives, Jack is driven to attack at the bridge at Mad River by recalling the image of David's lucky teddy bear. Even though the protagonist dresses up for Jack's sake, he fails to notice the bubbles in her eyes, but clings instead to his locket of Sylvia. Featuring a bit part for Gary Cooper, the film deals with David Armstrong and Jack Powell's relationship with Mary Preston, played by Clara Bow with 10 points. Name this film about combat pilots of World War I, the first winner of the Best Picture Oscar, C4. Thanks. <laughs>